Today's special episode of Monday Rolling is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. Since the last Bullet Celtics playoff series in 1984, find the best tickets for Caps Pens, Celts Wiz. You like both of those teams, House. Those are two of your teams. I root for them. Yeah. Like you might be is a strong word. Mm. Well, I have SeatGeek on my phone. It's by far the easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone. Two taps. Everything two is tap. it's fully guaranteed. Try it out. Download the SeatGeek app today. You can even get tickets for the Celtics sweep of the Wizards. Game four. Or go How right to SeatGeek.com. Uh we're also brought to you by our new podcast, Against All Odds, with Cousin Sal. Have you subscribed to this on iTunes yet, House? Of course I have. I've been singing the song to myself all day long. All right. Well, it starts this week. It launches, but you can subscribe right now on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, everywhere you get podcasts, gambling every week with the cuz. And this is one of the best weeks ever to have that podcast because not only do we have uh, basketball, hockey, baseball, NFL futures, we have Canelo versus Chavez, just a whole lot going on. Really great stuff. Uh, it's the only one that ever meant anything at all. Oh, my God. So take a look at us now. When are you going to be on Against All Odds with Cousin Sal? As soon as he invites me. Okay. Actually, I'm going to invite myself. You should just invite yourself. And then uh, I the, am. we're also, uh, the Ringer MLB show is back on the Ringer Podcast Network after a very successful and emotional month-long turn on TuneIn. Thanks again to TuneIn for having us and the Ringer MOB shows back. And last but not least, uh, don't forget to check out the ringer.com, all of our stuff. You can read my Chris Paul column that I put up on Thursday that now feels uh, kind of ominous it's as a reread now that the Clipper season is over. Last but not least, though, uh, this podcast won a, a two Webby Awards, actually. It won the uh, Webby Award for Best Sports Podcast, and it won the Webby Award for People's Choice Podcast House. Pretty good, huh? Nice. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to the thanks to the Webby Award Committee. It was an honor to be nominated. It was an honor to be nominated along with all the other nominees. Who I'm, I'm not even sure who else was nominated, but I was excited. Uh, we I I think I won. I think it won a couple times when I was at ESPN. So it's nice to be back. Anyway, we're going to talk with House about the NBA playoffs. But first, fresh off. Their triumphant appearance in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which was on HBO this weekend, Pearl Jam. All right, House, lots to cover. Rockets, Spurs, that starts tonight. Cavs Hawks starts tonight. The Wiz Celts has already started. I think we should start with the clips, though. Let's talk about this is now year six has come and gone of the Chris Paul era in the clip. Does it feel like it's been six years to you? You know what? It feels like it's been 60 years. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it feels like forever. And the reason it feels like it forever is because in that, in that six years, they crammed in like a decade's worth, more than a decade's worth of franchise drama. Yeah. I mean, you you wrote this in in the column from Friday. You can't make this stuff up. It's much stranger than fiction. No, and they really had 
their windows, looking back, I realized that as I was writing this column, their real windows for this team were 2014 and 2015. But I think when people look back at this little Clippers era, you know, 35, 40 years from now, you know, when I was writing my book, I would look back at teams in the 60s and be like, why didn't that team do better? Why didn't this team do better? It is incredible. You know, they had Blake Griffin... 2012 second team all NBA, 2013 second team all NBA, 2014 second team all NBA, 2015 third team all NBA. Chris Paul, 2012 first team, 13 first team, 14 first team, 15 second team, 16 second team. And then DeAndre made third team in 15, and then last year made first team. I can't remember a team having three top 15 players at the same time who's had less success. Not that DeAndre is technically, I mean, technically he's probably not a top 15 player, but, you know, he made first team All-NBA and third team the year before. It's kind of staggering that they had this many, this much individual success and just no team success. The year um, for them, what was the, um, when they lost to Houston in in game six. That was the year for them. Yeah, and they had a chance. Team. Yeah, they could they have been healthy. Golden State. Sure. I mean, they would have been a good series. That was still at, at the moment when they they had aspirations of creating a rivalry with Golden State. The thing about Golden State that year was they hadn't really gone through it yet. And that also the Clippers had beaten them the year uh, 13. They'd already beaten them in a playoff series. So I guess 2013 they'd beaten them. But the Warriors hadn't been through that whole run of of those those really deep high attention playoff reps, and if you remember in the finals, they weren't themselves for a couple games. LeBron was able to slow stuff down and do crazy LeBron stuff, and I don't think they really got going until Game Four. I think the Clips could have potentially surprised them. But the thing is, Doc Rivers had done such a bad job building the bench that if you remember that Houston series, the Clips kind of wore out which is a little what we saw in this Utah series. Keep Everybody's talking about how tired Chris Paul is and how oh, Chris Paul's worn down. They got to have other ball handlers. Why is Chris Paul worn down? It's round one. It's not like he's playing well, 49 minutes thing. a game. We One of the things that we'll remember about this era of Clippers basketball is that Doc never found a proper backup point guard. He went in the direction of his son. He chose his son over a proper backup point guard. And they paid the price for that year in and year out. Yeah, but his son, his son played pretty well. I see. I, I would, I would flip that another way. Especially this year, when you have Redick, you have Crawford, and you have Austin Rivers, who are all. Can we all say those are all two guards, right? Those are all two guards. Yeah. So they had Raymond Felton. That's as, right. Raymond Felton was probably the best backup point guard Chris Paul had, and. You know, so he's, think about that he's for a Raymond, second. He's it's Raymond 2017. Felton. I know. Say that again. Ray Felton is the best backup point guard. 2017 Ray Felton is the best backup point guard that Chris Paul had in his time as a, as a Clipper. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. We, I, I, I tweeted uh, Jamal Crawford's playoff stats for the last three years for the Clippers. It is unbelievable. I mean, he was like 27 playoff games, 23% from three. Shooting almost five threes a game. He's like 37%. You know, I, I always felt like Jamal Crawford was fool's gold 
Because when he'd have that one, you know, he'd have that one hot game and it felt like he was the greatest player on the planet. Like Jalen was pushing for him for sixth man of the year this year, which I was stunned by. He won last year. I didn't even have him in my top three. You know, he's one of those guys. He can only do one thing and he doesn't do it that well that often. But when he does it, it seems like he's doing well. But they would have, they did in the Utah series. Toll and I would sit together, the guy I shared tickets with, and there'd be 20 seconds left in a, in a quarter. It'd be like, oh, clear out. Jamal's going to create. And it's like it would never go in. You know, he's he's like certain guys, and we've played pickup with guys like this, these guys that carry themselves like they're awesome and they kind of brainwash you into thinking it. And they're just not. It's such a weird, weird team and such a weird ending to to lose three of four playoff games at home and to lose a game seven wow. at home. To me, that, that says blow it up. It's a weird ending, except, except for it's the Clippers, so there's nothing weird about it. True. Blake hurt his big toe, and the Clippers lost three or four games at home. I mean, yeah, but Gobert, the Clippers world. Gobert wasn't really Gobert this whole series either, you know? And they and they caught they, they got them without a couple Gobert games, and, you know, they lost game one uh, at home with no Gobert, right? Yeah. Gobert, Gobert got hurt in 13 seconds. And they still blew so that really game. Can't. Blake was I healthy mean, that, that game. That's kind of indefensible, isn't it? Yeah. It's super indefensible. I <laughs> so. I don't know what they do because uh, I was talking with it. After I wrote the column, a bunch of different people reached out to me with some theories and stuff. And one of them was that it's going to be a lot easier to tra- trade Blake Lurfin than I made it seem in that column. And... The, the way you trade him is you basically convince him to opt into next year, which is like $22 million. But he gets to basically choose what team he's going to. The uh, the Chris Paul, you know, that's the old money versus title situation that Carmelo was in this situation a couple years ago. Chris Paul could sign for $201 million right now and lock it down. And I, I think he's on the other side of, the, of of his prime at this point. You saw if he can't play seven games against Utah without wearing down a little bit. That tells me he's at the tail end of his prime. So he go to, he could stay with the clips for 201 million or he could say, screw it. I'm going to go chase a title. And he'd be, he'd kind of be the perfect spur. I mean, that would be just incredible to have him and Kawhi and all these other guys. My question is, do we hold the Chris Paul playoff performance against him? After I wrote that column, uh, Jarks, Jonathan Jarks, who's doing an awesome job for us in the playoffs, mailed me this column that I'd missed from his old website in November 2014. And it was basically about Chris Paul is at one level during the regular season, especially when he's going against lesser competition. But when you have to raise your stakes, when you got to bring it every night, when, you know, when you're in postseason basketball, the results weren't there like we thought they were. And he went through, you know, 2012, Mike Conley. This is all from Jarks' column. So check this out. It's online. His, site, his old site was patternofbasketball.blogspot.com. Uh, 2012, he totally outplayed Conley. 2013, outplayed him, but it was a little closer. 2014, Steph played really well in that series. Remember that? Steph, that was kind of when we knew Steph had a chance to be something special. He did a really nice job in that series. Yeah, he did. And Chris was throwing everything at him, and and he was kind of holding up. The next series, Westbrook kind of destroyed Chris Paul. It, it not Chris Paul got 
so Jarks has him as 22, 4, and 11 on 51% shooting. But Westbrook was 28, 6, and 9 on 49% shooting. How about that? I, I don't, I mean, you don't kill Chris Paul for that. I Listen, that's head to head in his prime for a playoff series. And if you remember Oklahoma City, that was the game five when the Clips are up six. Blake at the line with a minute nine left. He makes one, misses one. And then the Clips fall apart in one of the most inconceivable ways in the history of the playoffs. And Chris Paul makes, I wrote that it was the worst 20-second stretch any great player has ever had. He made he literally made three terrible, terrible, terrible plays and it flipped the series and they lost. So then you go next year, they're playing, this is after Jarks wrote this column, they're playing Houston in the playoffs. No Patrick Beverly, remember? It was It was like Jason Terry. And he was hurt. That's right. Yeah. It, it was like the Rockets put out Vorp guys at point guard and, and the Clippers couldn't win. And now it goes through there and it's like, I don't know. You and I feel the same about the rings culture and like, you know, it's, it's unfairly maligned certain guys from the past that we love Barkley being one of them. But, uh, man, like you saw what John Wall did in Atlanta on Friday night. He just put everyone on his back. He's like, fuck this. We're winning this series. And it just doesn't seem like Chris had a lot of those in the playoffs. And I, my question to you is maybe he's just not that type of player, you know? Maybe he's I, I, he's I, the efficient— I think he he intends to be that kind of player. He wants to be that kind of player. He's just not capable of exerting his will to, to and, and, and making, uh, you know, having his way um, at the most crucial— Moments is, is, is kind of the, the over time, the conclusion I think we have to draw. He hasn't played. It's it's unfair to, to to say Barkley's name alongside Chris Paul. Chris Paul hasn't played in a conference final in so, his career. Jerks Jerks had the theory that he's just too short, which is it, it sounds simple, but you know he listed all the best guys on the championship in this column from three years ago and all the best guys on championship teams since 1979, everyone was six, four or taller except for Isaiah Thomas. Now, since that column, Steph Curry 15 and 16, I guess just 15 because they lost 16, but Steph Curry is like six, three, but his point was it's really hard to exert your will when you're six feet tall, you know? And I think the Celtics have seen that to some degree with Isaiah Thomas where as the teams get better, it becomes just easier to kind of come up with different tricks to kind of keep a, a short guy from dominating a basketball game. Yesterday, he was well, making also, threes. Yeah, it's not just teams getting better, but it's when you're in a series where you're playing the same team repeatedly, you know, uh, you know, in a, in a seven-game series, they can adjust. I mean, this is I'm counting on this out of my, uh, my Washington almost bullets here against yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. Utah, Utah. I thought Quinn Snyder was one of the heroes of round one. He was. He did a really great job, especially considering the Gobert situation and everything that was going on yesterday. I was having trouble keeping Gobert on the court. But um, but one of the things they did yesterday defensively is they were just flooding Chris Paul, you know, which is something that the Celtics have had to deal with with Isaiah with certain teams where you just – basically making it impossible for them to come off picks and do the screens and all that stuff. And the clips didn't have an answer because most of the guys in their team just stand in spots and shoot, or they're coming around picks and shooting. Um, I see. So 
I wouldn't blow it up if I were them. What? I, I wouldn't. I would actually keep Blake because I think the chance of of if you just go through all the Blake injuries, the odds of him being able to get in in good game shape next year and be healthy again. I to me that's a safer bet than what I would get from him in a, for for him in a, in a sign and trade. Who's 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 mortgaging the farm for Blake Griffin? He's had, he's had like seven surgeries. Would you would you be happy if the if the Wizards traded Bradley Beal for Blake Griffin? No, no, I would not do that trade. Right, so, I would still do the I would still do the trade of Boogie for Bradley Beal. I would still take Boogie, <laughs> but I'm not taking Blake Griffin. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like. You're not getting superstar for superstar for Blake, but you're also not getting any of the expensive younger Bradley Beal, CJ McCollum types for Blake either. I don't think you're you're going to be able to get any of those guys. What you well, might be able to get is the, you might be able to get like we're a, at a three crazy for moment. one. We're at a crazy moment because the Hawks are in the same predicament. What are they going to do with Paul Millsap? Well, he's I well, think he's uh, just going to leave. He, well, he's going to he, that means he's going to take a pay cut, but you know. That that's the the challenge under the current collective bargaining agreement. You can't pay Blake Griffin like a superstar. You just said you know you're not going to do a superstar for superstar trade. Is Blake Griffin a superstar? He was. He was. He was. Congratulations. That's right. He was is not going to win you games in the 2017 2018 basketball season. 2014 third in the MVP voting. 2015. We were on my old podcast agreeing that he was um, the third best player in the league during a point when the league was getting really good. So then last year he breaks his hand. I forget what his injury was that knocked him out of the playoffs. And then this year, he got a knee scoped, but then broke his toe. And I got to be honest, uh, the, the the broken toe thing. I think if he wasn't a free agent, don't you think they would have just shot it up and he would have played? It's probably too risky. They, could they shoot up a broken know. toe? I don't know. But, I don't think so. I don't think you can play if if your feet are messed up. Would you rather play him, or would you rather have some of the dudes they were throwing out? Would you rather have Blake on one foot or some of the dudes they were throwing out there? At least he's no, like the threat of something. You can't have him on one foot. I don't know. A lot people have played on on. On stuff that was worse than that. A broken I, ankle. Isaiah Thomas played on a broken ankle. He's, it was super sprained. Yeah, Isaiah played on like that super, super duper sprained. I think they could have shot him up, but I, I don't think it made sense for either side to do that. Like if it was year two of a five-year contract and he's there and it's round three, but I think they were like, it's round one. It's probably a stupid conversation. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I, to me, it's a safer bet that Blake can come back and you can get a couple good years out of him. What's your goal? What are you, what are you doing? If you bring back Blake and bring back, I mean, does that mean CP three's back as well? All right. You own the Clippers. You have your, it's a Lakers city anyway. So you're screwed in that point. You have two football teams here. Now you have two baseball teams. You have. You're going to have two soccer teams. You have a hockey team. You have UCLA and USC. You have to have stars or, or you're you're immediately irrelevant. That's a bad way to build a champion, but I don't 
you can almost talk yourself into, well, we still have one of the best 12 players in the league, so we can start there. We can't lose him. And then Blake was third best player in the league two years ago. We can't lose him. I could see talking myself into that if I own the clips, you know? Because the alternative is you're just rebuilding. And it's like, how do I sell a rebuild to this fan base that has just been kicked in the nuts for 40 years? And just watch the Lakers do it for the last four, and, and they don't even have a guaranteed all-star yet. But what what what's the what's the hope? What hope are you selling bringing back this uh, this core group? You're selling that they had bad luck the last two years. Oh my god! You didn't like that. That's that's a tough sell. Do I need to get back with my marketing team and work on that somewhere? <laughs> you need to work on that one a little bit. The old bad luck is not is not I don't, putting asses in seats. I don't think. I so again, what would you do with Blake Griffin? You would not give him four year, hundred and fifty million dollar extension or whatever he's eligible for. Five years, one fifty. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Under no circumstances. No way. Would you trade him? Would you tell him opt in for one more year and we'll trade you to the Knicks for Carmelo? Oh, I, I would have done that at the trade deadline. I still think they should have done that. Yeah, I think they should. Have I don't done. understand why that deal didn't happen before the trade deadline. <sighs> they would have been so much better off with Mello, a motivated Mello in L.A. He knew, he knew at that point that him and Lala were going down. <laughs> An excited Mello in L.A. You kidding me? Audible.com. Do you love books, but you don't have time to read them? Audible.com has the perfect solution. Get audiobooks and listen at the gym during commutes or even watching football on mute. Audible.com provides over 180,000 audio programs from leading book publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine, and newspaper publishers, business information providers. You know who uses Audible House? The Simmons family. Oh, yeah. I bet the house Mello family. Mello should have used it and gotten some divorce advice. <laughs> <laughs> Their free app works on iPhones, iPad, Android, Windows, Kindle Fire, over 500 MP3 players. Also, you own the books. You're not renting them. There's a, lit, a great listing guarantee, which unfortunately we can't provide on this podcast. If you don't like a book, no worries. Exchange it for another title. No questions asked. Why listen to terrible sports radio and lousy music channels when you can listen to books? Again, my wife and kids have Audible and use it on long commutes. They love it. Joe House's wife and kids should also have Audible. Go to audible.com slash BS today and start your free trial right now. That's audible.com slash BS. So you're saying put a fork in the Clippers. I think I might agree with you, but I, I don't think they can do it that way. The other move is to fire Doc and blame everything on him. Would you do that? Absolutely. I would definitely do that. 22 I, would, I just would try and start fresh, you know, at, at 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 every level, I would I would move JJ. I would move. Well, he's gone. Uh, JJ's, JJ's signing let, somewhere else. Oh, he's he's unrestricted. JJ's gonna get a nice deal from like Brooklyn or somebody for he'll get like sixty million for three years, something crazy. So all four players. I mean, you know, uh, Blake CP three, uh, JJ. You you're gonna. Uh, uh, Felton, Jamal Crawford, even though they they <laughs> extended him for whatever reason, Ugh. Doc, get rid of all of them. No, you gotta you gotta start fresh. No, you can't just get rid of good players. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What are you talking about? Who are the this good is, players? You're the same guy who got mad at me when I said you should trade John Wall in November when you were two and eight. 
You're like, that oh, I can't change John Wall. thing to say then. What? And it's still absurd. It's absurd to say get rid of Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Unless I'm getting something for them. Those guys are assets. All right, Tate's the no, time No, no, breaker. no, no. Of course. No, I'm not saying, uh, you know, just, just – uh, uh, Wave them. No, you definitely you work some trades and get back whatever you're going to get. It's going to be 25 cents on the dollar. You make your peace with the fact that the best you're going to do is 25 or 30 or maybe, if you're lucky, 50 cents on the dollar. Absolutely. I'm not suggesting that they don't get anything in return. It's got to well, be that... picks. It's got to be young, young players with, with some promise. And, but you have to start, start fresh is my view. Dave, first of all, Chris is getting the $201 million, so you're not trading him until December. So just factor that part into your thing. Blake is much more tradable. And I'll be curious. It would have to be a desperate team. It would have to be somebody who looked at all the surgeries and the injury history and said to themselves, it's, it's risky, but we got we to gotta try it. You know. So who's the desperate team? I mean, you always got to look at the Knicks. I think the Lakers, because I think they share the same medical staffs, I think the Lakers would probably run the other direction from that. But I'm sure there's a couple other ones that would think about it. Like if you're somebody a Somebody that, 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 that's close. Like you, 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 you can come up with something with all the assets that uh, Orlando Houston has. Houston wouldn't go near him. Okay. I don't know. I mean, your team has a lot of assets. The we Celtics were, still need Celtics. some reliable scoring. It it certainly didn't hurt us yesterday when we're putting 123 on your ass. <laughs> are we are we are we going there now? Tate, would you keep Chris Paul and Blake Griffin? Chris Paul's getting a statue in front of Staples. Oh, First Tate says Chris Paul's getting a statue in front of Staples for nothing. I'm for fine nothing with that. Statue. He deserves it. He Tate he says, was there to, for the transformation of the franchise. I don't have any issue with his contribution and all the achievements that he had. It's just time to move on. They should make the statue and then and only make eighty five percent of it to mirror what every Clippers playoff season was like. Um, <laughs> they just lost in the first round to the Jazz. Like, what am I supposed to do? Get up a standing ovation? They lost three home playoff games. I I, I don't even know and what he, to say to that. They and they Chris lost Paul's a game to be seven. One of the top five point guards in the league. So what do you want me to do? He's supposed to be the best player on the floor. D- is there was he? Is there some John Stockton similarities in that incredibly efficient, great numbers, awesome point guard, love him to death, but there's another gear that they can't hit? I, well, they, John Stockton went to the finals. Well, he I know. Played but, in the NBA finals. Remember how long it took him to get there, though? He didn't get there till you know, year 14, and that was even after uh, – you know, basically after his prime. And a lot of it had to do with the, the ta- I wrote about this last week about the talent kind of dipped, which really helped those Utah teams. But the Utah fans were all mad that I, I thought Chris Paul, I got to rethink that actually. You know, I I got a lot of feedback because I, I, I put Chris Paul and Curry ahead, ahead of Stockton on the all-time list. And I, Curry belongs. I got to really... I got to almost do like a two-day deep dive trying to figure out Chris Paul versus Stockton. It's a tough one. Chris Paul's... It's a real tough one. His regular season, the efficiency, all that stuff are incredible. But from a playoff standpoint, even less success than Stockton had those first four, 12 years. Like Stockton at least went to the conference finals three times. Yeah. I think when you don't go to any conference finals, that's at some point 
you can't just say, oh, rings culture. Oh, it's not just about winning. It's, well, it's, it's a little bit kind of winning. You can only play five guys. You know, the this, best this players end up the in the... problem I have <coughs> with my Washington Capitals. I, I, I mean, hockey is even more of a team sport. But at some point, it's the same guy for a decade. Yeah, it's true. And he can't get to the finals. He can't get to the conference finals. There was some, you know, I, George Gervin really jumped out at me like 40 years ago when I was working on my book trying to figure out where to place him. And he had a couple moments that he really could have, you know, he had he had a couple chances to have defining moments. And the biggest one, 79 against your beloved Bullets. They're, yeah. they're up 3-1 in that series. And the Bullets come back and win 4-3. to three, And Bobby Dandridge you know, does a job on him. And I was able to get the tapes for, I think, all three of those games. And Gervin just, there were moments when they really needed him and he just wasn't there. I, I, I forget. I think his points were okay, but it was more of like a, when you're watching the game, these little moments when the best guys get like, all right, guys, I got this. And he just never really did it. He was this volume scorer that that's really all he did. And, uh, you know, that if they make the finals that year, they, they, probably could have beaten Seattle. They had a pretty good team. So, I don't know. The playoffs are about those three, four, five times over the course of your career when there's this little fork in the road. And for the Clippers, man, you go back to 14 and 15, and I still think that was – that's a killer. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about the Wiz Celts. Our teams have never played in the playoffs together. Since we've been friends. Since we've been friends. They played in 82 and 84. We became friends in 88. Bernard King joined the Bullets short, like a year or so after that. I remember we watched a couple Bullets Celtics games. We really enjoyed it. Bernard King and Bird on the court together. Never really took it seriously. And then it was just a, a train wreck from... that. Neither team was really good at the same time. And then finally... Uh, Finally, we have our series, and you were very confident on on the Wizards. You might have placed a little wager on your team. Was that out of blind love, or did you really think it was a good matchup? I think it's a good enough matchup. I, I just wanted all the karma to be right for for my team this year. I I, I mean, my team is 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 fatally flawed, and you you saw all of that on display last yesterday afternoon. Um, small, quick complaint, why the, the Celtics and, and the Wiz are playing at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. I know the schedule was set ahead of time, but goodness gracious, they, they both played Friday night. I we know, have, they have to be back, back out terrible. there. I, I know they weren't factoring in, you know, Isaiah go flying across country for his sister's funeral, but, you know, would it have killed them to push the game back to, you know, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock in the evening? Could have been after the... the um, Clips Utah game even, but in any event, um, why or, or why guess, wasn't why wasn't Spurs Houston at one o'clock on Sunday? Those teams haven't played for like a f- couple days now. That's a, that's well, what the same I didn't thing, get. Or where where was Cleveland Toronto? Why is yeah. Cleveland Toronto tonight? I don't know. It, anyway, go ahead. I, I'm I'm I feel good about my team in this series. I like the 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 matchup. I like. Um, 
You know, this is a Celtics team. We've talked about this a million times. It's really in transition. This isn't the year that they imagined, you know, going all the way, to, I don't think, going to the finals. I mean, it took an extraordinary year out of Isaiah Thomas. They've been happy with Thomas, right? Coming into the 2016-2017 the season, you you loved the over for them. They 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 barely hit it, right? 50, what was it, 53 and a half? Yeah, barely, by and half. They get, and they, and yeah, they barely they barely hit the over, but you know it felt like a, a team that would go to the conference finals and lose to Cleveland, and that may yet happen in terms of the ceiling for the Celtics. The the Celtics' big play remains all the assets that they have, and I love the matchup that we had with you guys uh, over the course of the season. We we split the season series. There was some good you know trash talking. The uh, bat Washington backcourt was healthy for the entirety of of this season. Was a rarity here, and and uh, you know we we match up well um, with you when when we're healthy. Um, and everything changed in the second quarter yesterday when Al Horford. Pulled out an old Bruce Bowen trick no, and walked didn't. right underneath the team's feet. Stop and it! Let him can't come down and land on his foot. Come on, that's not what happened. Al Horford's a classy individual. The all I know is Al, uh, Keith went straight up and came straight down, and he landed on Al Horford's foot. Al Horford's foot wasn't there when Keith went up. Well, he should have moved his foot. Uh, <laughs> he should have landed somewhere else. They, the, you missed a golden chance because Stevens played the wrong lineup in the first quarter. And he went small when he shouldn't have gone small. He kept the Gerald Green lineup. That The only reason that worked in the Bulls series was because it spread out the Bulls and we were just too quick in the perimeter. We had too many shooters. But against the Wizards, you can't do that because of Morris. And once they figured that out, and once they figured out that two of Smart, Bradley, Rozier always had to be in the game to deal with Wall... Then, then you saw the the game start to shift. What was what was interesting was Boyan got hot in the second half. In the first half, it looked like you couldn't play him. It looked like you might not even be able to play him in the series. He was being so badly exposed. And then that flipped in the second half, and Stevens dusted off Jalen Brown, who was just getting DMPs in the Chicago series. It's interesting to me. Somebody somebody texted me, me this, in the, who works in the league, that... Um, when team when in doubt in these playoff series, teams just go young and athletic and try to figure it out, which is what the Celtics did in that series. And I'm going to be really interested if Jalen Brown can keep playing because the Celts don't have a lot of guys in their roster to handle Bogdanovich if he's going to play. And conversely, they can't really torch him on the other side unless it's with uh, Olenek. So I think this one's going to have a bunch of different matchup Game by game, it's going to switch depending on who gets hot and all that stuff. I think this goes seven still. What do you think? I, I hope you're right. I mean, all of this really comes down to how hurt um, Keith's ankle is. Yeah. He was a, one of the crucial X factors because of the advantage that he represents along with Gortat on the defensive boards. After Robin Lopez's performance, performance against the Celts, you know, I had high hopes that um, Keith and Gortat together were going to you know, help offset some of that three-point shooting by the Celts, and you expected the Celts to shoot, you know, well. If you're going to be a Washington fan and look at this game as a glass half full, the Celts tied their franchise record for threes yesterday. Crowder had his very best playoff game as a professional. He shot, you know, six of eight from three after shooting 27% against uh, the Bulls. The Wiz missed nine free throws, and, and they lost the third quarter by 20 points, and yet... Speaking of Bogdanovich, 
Bogdanovich had a four-point play that had the effect of making the game. It was a three-point game with six and a half minutes left. So your point, you know, about missing out on a golden opportunity because of who Brad started, I mean, you know, that the Wiz took great advantage of that, and then Brad adjusted. I mean, yeah. the Wiz won the first quarter. They were dominant in the first quarter, but, you know, that's not – This Wizards team doesn't put, put teams away. Uh, you know, you got to play all, all 48 minutes, and the Wizards bench stinks. It stinks, stinks. It's, it, it, was, it was a historically bad bench. They managed to, you know, uh, slightly correct that through, through a couple of additions, Bogdanovich and Jennings, um, around the trade deadline period. Um, it would be wonderful if Jan Mahinmi could take off his ballet slippers and join the boys on the basketball court <laughs> one of these days. It would be neat if a $16 million man at some point could come play some playoff minutes for the, for the team that, that you know, had this great confidence in him. That would be a neat development, especially in view of Keith's injury. But at, like, you know, depth-wise, if the Celtics have the ability to exploit some Washington vulnerability, and it's going to require super, superhuman effort from Beal and Wall to maximize the advantage they have um, in, in, in the backcourt for the Wiz to hang in there, for this to go. It might only, you know, I, I think it, sh- it should be, as you are observing, a very competitive, hotly contested series, but it might not be if, if Keefe is hurt more than, than it seems. And I like that you're already making the, excuses. First of all, you got every call yesterday. You, you, you'd 14 fouls, Celtics had 25, and the refs at the end were trying to give you extra fouls, so it wasn't like the most embarrassing disparity ever. So don't forget that part. Um, and and your bench is bad, but it wasn't Thunder bad. You still have got you have Ubre and Bogdanovich. I don't think Jason Smith is terrible. I don't think it's that hurt. bad of a bench. Smith is hurt also. Huh? I said Smith, Smith is a little bit dinged also. He has a oh, calf problem. Sorry. I don't know what it is it's with the fucking playoff. And, sorry. And calf problems. Sorry. Every, everybody's a little banged up now. Derek Favors was limping around yesterday in Game 7. You you need, uh, you know, if you look at the box score, you got as good of a Gortok game as you're going to get, and you got a, as good of an Otto Porter game as you're going to get. Wall can probably, you know, Wall was 20 and 16. But it did feel like the Celts figured out how to at least slow him down. I think your advantage is Beal in the series. I think his size and his scoring and his creativity is just an issue for the Celtics. Well, he needs to go to the basket. He needs to go to the basket. I'm not sure that we got the best porter. If we got the best porter, we're going to lose this series. Because he he was one of the culprits on on those missed rotations. That well, yeah, you're right. Defensively, the to have a whole bunch of open threes yeah. in the third quarter. Yeah, he's not a very good defensive player, is he? I think of him as a three and D guy, but I I do feel like he's not nearly what what I had for him in my head. He made a lot of mistakes yesterday. One well, the the thing Kevin O'Connor wrote this in his. Uh, Recap, you know, eight questions to look at over the course of this, this series, these these, um, these upcoming playoff series. The the guy that Isaiah Thomas is going to end up on is Porter because you have to find right. Isaiah on defense. That's the best way. And Porter is the most likely candidate. Um, but Porter doesn't have any track record whatsoever playing with his back to the basket and, and you know, him taking advantage of the mismatch with, with uh, Isaiah you know, it's going to require an adjustment by, by Scotty Brooks 
to yeah. to really leverage that into an advantage. And it, you know, the the one play yesterday, he caught the ball way too high. He wasn't anywhere near the box, and he turned around and did a uh, kind of a fall away over over Thomas, which is just you know. The, the predictable miss. Well, it's the old food. it's the old pickup basketball thing when you throw somebody out of what they want to do by presenting them a seeming advantage that Jedi mind tricks them. It's like, hey, Washington, we got Isaiah Thomas on Otto Porter. You should post him up. It'd be great. And meanwhile, like you don't want Otto Porter ever to post up. You wouldn't want him to post up against your six-year-old son. But if I'm a Celtics fan. That's great because if he's posting up, that means Bradley Beal and John Wall aren't shooting. And that means Bogdanovich well, doesn't have the ball. On that, on that note, I was thrilled by Crowder's performance. I mean, if he's going to have a 6 of 8 three-point shooting uh, performance and be emboldened to take shots throughout the yeah, series, yeah. let it be in game one. Let my dad, get, you know, get that, that swag going now. My dad made the same point. Because Jay Crowder's his most frustrating Celtic. He's like, you know, he was great. We won the game. I hope that doesn't mean he's going to think he can shoot for the eight threes a game for the rest of the series. Because I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> the uh, the Celts shot were 19 for 39 from three, and anytime they shoot that well from three, they've won. And it doesn't matter who they play. So that's going to be the case if they shoot that well. From, they won't. from the field. They won't. Okay. They won't. Yeah. They do it. If they do, they're going to win. How about that? It's a team that is designed to take between 35 and 40 shots a game. And if they make over 40% of them, it's really hard to beat them. I will say, though, everybody was giving Al Horford shit, especially after the first two games. Um, It's always a good barometer to know if people actually know what to look for when they watch basketball and know what to value. But, you know, great. He doesn't get 12 rebounds a game. He gets eight. Okay. Um He's probably the best passing center in the league, other unless you count Draymond as a center. Um, he can shoot threes, which spreads the floor. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's the best teammate on the team. He's a very, very good low post defender. He's a good help defender. The guy does a million things, and the price for shitty centers last summer was $17 million a year for a bad center. And oh, he's actually me. I good. have one. We have one. Yeah, you have one. The, you know who else has one? The Lakers. You know who else has one? The Knicks. Those guys. That was the price for centers last year. It was sixteen million bucks. So they paid Horford twenty five, and he's actually good. He's a good center. I'll tell you what. I like having him on my team in the playoffs. And uh, well, he he took out our X factor. So congratulations. He's yeah. also, uh, I guess, a cagey vet with the with the Bruce Bowen cheap shot. I, I can't believe it. that. Really hurts my feelings. Uh, let's talk about Legacy Box, a simple and affordable way to get your recorded moments digitally preserved on DVD or thumb drive. If you're like most Americans, there's a box in your closet of videotapes, film reels, and photos that you haven't watched or taken out in forever, and they're actually deteriorating. I have a closet filled with videotapes from high school and college that includes incriminating 3A mo- moments of one Joe House. I need to protect this. Uh <laughs> I need to protect this. Yeah. <laughs> Can I buy this thing to protect myself? <laughs> Here's how easy it is. Load Legacy Box with their old tapes, films, pictures, audio recordings. Send it back. You'll get them back in a couple weeks on DVD or a convenient thumb drive ready to watch, share, and relive. Legacy Box takes care of everything. They provide updates at every step of the process. They mail you the box. You get it back. The whole thing. They do everything. Over 250,000 families have used them. Don't let your crappy videotapes decompose 
in your attic right now. Go to LegacyBox.com slash BS to get a 40% discount on your order. That's LegacyBox.com slash BS for 40% off. I'm afraid to send my stuff to Legacy Box because, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I really have some crazy stuff. I don't, I don't want, I don't know if I want another human being to see some of the videos we took in college. I don't know if it's a good idea to really think about this. I love you the idea of Legacy Box. No, I might send, I'm going to send them some family stuff and test it out, but yeah, I don't know. Does Legacy Box have an NDA? There's some jack Yeah, you need, you need, you need the utmost in discretion. Yeah, we, we really need somebody with excellent judgment. Where's the Legacy Box Platinum package that guarantees that only one other human being sees the tapes? Uh, That's the one. Yeah, anyway. So I think game two, um, I think you're probably going to lose game two unless one of your guys goes off. You need one of the two. You need Wall or Beal. It I, should be Wall. I mean, Wall had eight turnovers. It's just such a tough, tough matchup. Um because of Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. I mean that yeah. they they just, you know. Now now Wall did get to the basket and he he uh, twice got under the rim or near the rim and then passed out to three point, you know, for three point shots. Yeah. And I would prefer that he just go ahead and and, and take the layup um and and that might be something that might, you know, tilt things a little bit in his favor, but it's just a tough were, matchup. Uh, were you I surprised think you're right that it's going to be Beal. It's got to be Beal. I think your best chance to win in Boston is Beal to have, and I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating this number. I think he needs to have like a 45 point game. Oh I, my God! I'm so. I was. If you had said to me, how much do you think Beal needs to score to win in Boston? My number was 45. We, yeah. we are. There's something wrong with us. No, you need. Well, we've been talking about basketball for 30 years. He needs to just. Yeah. He needs a game where he's like 27 shots. He's like 16 for 27. And he makes seven threes and gets to the line eight times and makes seven of them. One of those type of things. Because I do think he's the he's the biggest problem for the Celtics. Because he can shoot over smarter Bradley. And there's been moments during the season when he's just done whatever he wants. While the Celts are kind of equipped to at least keep him in check and prevent him from doing... You know, those two guys together, would they have 73 points in game six against Atlanta? Yeah. That that's not that's not happening against the Celtics, I don't think. But I think Beal is the one that could potentially go off. Hey, cousin Sal texted us while we're doing this podcast. He said, "Warrior sweep is plus one twenty. Oh, yeah. I need I need to offload some of the loss I'm going to take on the big bet I made on the Wizards in this series. Yeah, not a I bad need to idea. Cover some of that. I wouldn't give I up on that Wizards that. bet. But um, I haven't given up on anything. But I want to cover some of it. So where's plus one twenty and four and plus one twenty five and five? Uh, I love that it's a plus number. I'm glad that it's it's above even odds. I'm gonna play a little game called "Here's What I Learned from Round One." I think to stop Utah, all you have to do is take out Ingles and Rodney Hood, because if both of them are out, if you if you remove both of those guys from the game and they do nothing, they can't win. That's what happened to them in game six. Like, and we might have had a wager on Utah in that game, and we might have been disappointed. But We were disappointed. But Ingles and Hood suck together. And I don't know what the stats are. I just know from I watched – I went to – I went to three Jazz Clippers games over the last month, watched them pretty carefully. Um, 
they need the they need at least one of those guys. When both of them play well, they're almost unbeatable unless they're playing the Warriors. But uh, when they both suck, it's really hard for them because Hayward can still get his twenty seven to twenty eight. Um, other guys can get a little bit, but the Ingles is like shockingly valuable for them on both ends. Like it, he really is a creator for them. Um, I don't know what they do with the George Hill thing. Like, cause I think they're going to get swept. I would not pay George Hill like a hundred million dollars personally. Nice player. But, uh, I just don't, I, I just, I'm, I'm opposed to paying guys who aren't in the top 12 at their position. Like they're top 12 guys. I think it's a mistake. Are you going to call that the Reggie Jackson rule? Yeah. The Kemba Walker rule, like any, 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 any of that stuff. Tate, are you happy you're paying Kemba Walker max money? No, stop shooting Kemba. Stop shooting Kemba. Tate says it's <laughs> tough. I, I think there's better ways to build a team, personally. But, uh, but you know, that team had a really good series, and I'm sure they're having ideas. And if they can throw a couple haymakers at the Warriors during the course of this series and get it to six, then you have to bring everyone back, right? Right, I think so. Right? Yeah, I don't know what happens with Hayward. You know, there we had a piece on the Ringer today by John Gonzalez about him, and he mentioned something in that piece that I think is an important, important little tidbit for people to remember. They wouldn't pay him four years ago. He had to go out and get a max restricted contract offer from another team, and initially it was going to be Cleveland. And then it ended up being Charlotte. And Charlotte signed him to a max restricted free agent offer. And Utah matched it. It was insulting, the whole thing. Because Utah was basically like, we don't know if you're a max player. Go out and see if you can get the offer. And then he went out and had interest and he got the offer. Be interesting to see if he files that one away, is my point. I know things are great now. It's a pretty good nucleus in Utah. It would be a tough thing to walk away from. Celtics would be interesting for him. I know. That's the thing. It, it has to be a team like the Celtics that's right on the brink Yeah, their own self. Well, I'll tell you, it, uh, made, it made the Celtics' chances worse that they got to round two. I think if they had blown game six and game seven and the season was over, I, I, I would have been more optimistic. I was really impressed by him. And in person, he's really smart. Like I, I love watching him. I love watching some of the little subtle stuff he does. He's kind of an old school, like 1970s, 80s type of, you know, from that era type of player. I was impressed with him. That's a nice team. They, the problem for them is favors. Just they can't keep him even remotely physically healthy. Even you saw yesterday, he had such a big right. impact on that game, but he can't stay on the court and, you know, and be an athlete. He just, he looks old. When you see him in person, it's like, ugh. That guy looks like he's 38, you know? I, I, I just want to f- complete the thought really quickly on Hayward. Has there ever been an instance where a prime free agent was coming on the market and one of the most likely teams out there bidding for his services featured his former college coach? Well, that's the Celtics' biggest asset. <laughs> Titus. Titus was talking about that um, for a while. I want to have Titus on the podcast soon to talk about Gordon Hayward so he can put it in his own perspective. But, um, yeah, Stevens was recruiting Hayward when he wasn't even on the map. And then I think he had a growth spurt and he became like a belatedly sexy high school recruit, but he stuck with Stevens. So I don't know, man, 
that's 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 i also i'm i I think we've ruled never to rule out miami ever when they have cap space it's just the rule uh and and i don't think san antonio could ever be ruled out either you know so he's gonna have options he's gonna get courted and when utah plays the loyalty card he is gonna have in the back of his head you know four years ago you guys didn't think i was a max player so I, I think that's a real thing. Uh, quickly, let's talk about propercloth.com. Every guy knows that it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Maybe the collar's too tight, the sleeves are too long, the shirt's too loose. Wait, what's your shirt game? How many shirts have you bought in the last year, House? Oh, I go through them. I, I wear dress shirts to work. So I'm, I'm, you know, 15 shirts a year maybe. Oh, well, I have some good news. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to propercloth. Create a custom oh. shirt size in seconds. By answering 10 easy questions, no measuring required. Over 500 fabric styles to choose from. Everything from classic business to casual shirts to I'm watching my sweet, my team get swept in round two by the Celtics shirts. All high quality, starting at just $85. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google and Yelp. It's the highest rated custom shirt maker on Google. By the way, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit. Remakes are free, and the Proper Cloth team makes it super easy to do. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Once again, propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. You don't have a gift code, do you? you there's no propercloth.com slash house, is there? No, we got we have uh, we have some beds. We have Helix slash house, I think. Oh, it's nice. It's nice. It's, you know you've arrived in life when you have a slash with your name in it or your initials. It's great. It's good. I'm, I'm very happy that I have a couple slash BSs. Um, all right, back to the pod. So Houston San Antonio is by far the most fascinating series in round two. I Cleveland Toronto we can talk about really quickly. It's going to come down to what Toronto team shows up. I do think they have the pieces. Um, you, you, it's not even worth talking about it with you because you're just in the LeBron world. Do what he he'll he'll do the uh, he'll just turn on the switch when he needs to and he's going to get by Toronto. Is it even worth talking about? I um, actually think that Toronto has a chance because of their depth and because of Ibaka and PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker on LeBron is going to be is one of the the best storylines of this 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 round. So I also think Toronto has a – I'm glad we're able to talk about this because I also think – I thought you were just going to be – LeBron's I also think Toronto has a chance. I think defensively it is by far a much better team than they were last year. I think they have the lineup when, Le, when Cleveland does that. We're behind by 15. Let's just put LeBron and a bunch of shooters out there. The, the Raps can actually answer that with a couple lineups of their own. And uh, and most important, they're gonna ugly it up, and they're gonna they're gonna do a whole bunch of PJ Tucker type stuff and Ibaka stuff, and there's gonna I be totally elbows and pushes and guys staring at each other and people trying to get in Kyrie's head and LeBron's head, and that's why I think this could be a series. I think they're gonna try to turn it into a street fight. It's basically what they did to Milwaukee from Game Four on. They were like, "Oh God, let's let's flip the series. We're gonna make this super ugly." And we're going to start banging you guys around. How are you guys going to handle it? And Milwaukee couldn't handle it. I think the same thing with this series. Street fight. Knock them down. But I, I kind of like Toronto's chances in the street fight. Me too. If Tor- Let me tell you. If Toronto goes into this series and says LeBron's not getting a layup, 
He can go to the line. Go get your two points at the line. You're not getting a layup. We're not letting you get to the rim. We're using six fouls from Valanciunas. We're going to use our six fouls on Patterson. We're going to bring in that rookie from Utah. He has six fouls. Go on down the line and just batter LeBron and make it so that when he goes to the rim, he's getting hit and he's going to have to earn the two points. I think that's going to work. And if you have, you know, Tucker to throw at him for 25, 30 minutes, LeBron's going to score on him, but it's it's not easy, you know. I, the, the thing that kills Toronto is that Damari Carroll, Carroll just fell off a cliff. Yeah, they need that that shooting it's from a, that position. It's exactly why they signed him for this series, right? <laughs> and then yep. they had to go out and get PJ Tucker instead. But uh, but Lowry and DeRozan, um, Lowry's a free agent after this year. I don't know. There's a case to be made. They're going to have great home crowds. I don't think Cleveland's very good defensively. Um, understatement. Understatement of the year. But they, you know who I think the key guy in this series is? Kyrie. Oh. He's going to do some Kyrie takeover things? Who's guarding Kyrie in this series? He's the guy that I would not let have any layups. Because he, he, when he starts getting to the rim that way, that's yeah. when he's, he's most dangerous. He's the guy that I would try and put on his butt. I would do a little bad boys basketball. I would bring back 1988 on Kyrie. I'll be really interested. We'll know in game one because it's not something you wait to do. It's you got to do it from the first quarter in game one. You have to make it clear this is how we're playing in this series. Because you also have to establish it with the refs too. You can't just go from finesse to, oh, let's, let's start banging guys down because – but if you start early and you just keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, um, you know, it's going to be a I th- also think they could spread them out with uh, with all their different shooters. It, I'll I'll be interested to see how much Carroll plays and whether they give up on him. I'll be interested to see how they handle when it's Kyrie and Darren Williams out there at the same time. Did you think D. Will was going to play this well? I certainly did not. It's just that that thing, you know. You get into the right situation. You're exactly the you get exactly the right minutes, and you're surrounded by guys that let let you be the best you can be at this stage of your career. We've seen it too many times to to discount, you know, the possibility that 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 D will could do this. So when they go, when they pick one or the other with Thompson and or Love, and they play LeBron at the four. And they play Kyrie and Darren Williams at the same time. And then they put a sh- another shooter out there, whether it's Smith or Korver. It's a pretty scary lineup. Yeah. And when they do that, I'll be interested to see how Toronto does it. I'll also be interested to see, like, you know, Valanciunas, if if he's ever going to have a huge impact in a playoff series, this should be the series, right? They basically have Tristan the Thompson as, as their only center on the entire team. They have nobody else. Yeah. He should be Go able to score. your money, Valanciunas. They have the, time. It's time. They have good matchups in this series. DeRozan can make make uh, Cleveland work on defense. I don't know. I I if I'm a Raps fan, I would be so disappointed if we laid an egg in this series. It's all sitting there. Cleveland's not a good defensive team. They have a lot of miles of them. They've never really totally figured out the Love Thompson lineup together uh, on both ends. Really, this entire season. I don't know. Uh, all right, San Antonio-Houston is the most fascinating series of all of these. Toronto, it's like we're kind of hoping, we hope this will happen, but we don't know. They might just lay an egg. San Antonio-Houston is just a great matchup. San Antonio doesn't like playing small ball. Houston loves playing small ball. 
San Antonio doesn't have the kind of guards to just throw out a bunch of guards at the same time. Houston can throw out lineups with they can put out Beverly, Lou Williams, Harden. You know, they they can kind of do Eric whatever. Gordon. Eric Gordon, yeah, they could they could play Ryan Anderson at center, which they did a couple of times. Um, it's it 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 is going to be. I don't know. A nice little litmus test for where we are with basketball in a lot of ways. If Harden plays well and Houston can't beat them, then that that says to us that, you know, the old school model of having a basketball team still matters. If they just bomb the shit out of them with threes and small ball and space and make it impossible for San Antonio to play all their big guys together and all that stuff, and they're able to replicate what Conley did against them last round multiplied by 10 that then what do you do if you're the Spurs after that you have this team that that you know it's a guard driven league and your guards aren't very good you almost have to blow up the motto or try to go get Chris Paul something like that so who do you think wins the series I hate to disrespect San Antonio but I think Houston's gonna win it feels disrespectful I don't even want to say it I hate going against Pop I hate going against the, the San Antonio machine. But I just think Houston's ability to score from so many different ways, from so many dimensions. And I expect Houston to be like 15% more poised than Memphis. And Memphis gave it to the Spurs. They yeah. gave it. I was so impressed by Conley. I can't remember which one of your writers wrote. It might have been Titus who yeah. wrote that, that very appropriate and timely piece on on Conley. Holy cow, Conley was great. He was unstoppable. He was great. But what's and interesting I, is they have a completely different team than than Houston. Right? He, one of the reasons they were able to do so well is cuz they had so much size that San Antonio where normally their size is an advantage, the size really hurt them and they, you know, they they there were certain guys that as the series went on they just couldn't play like Deadman was somebody that was pretty good for them this season and um, was was relegated to being a non-factor. In this series, Houston's going to be attacking them from a completely different way, but I still think you're right. Like Conley is the one that that's a good model for for, Santa, for Houston because they played them four times. I like looking at the regular season matchups. I think you can learn some stuff from those. I, I don't think they're the full indicator, but it's a pretty good sign. So... All four times these teams played, the games were close. San Antonio won three of the four, but Lou Williams was only in one of the games. And I think Lou Williams is somebody that is going to be a real, real, real problem for uh, for San Antonio. He was like one for ten in the only game they played. He just had a shit game. But to be able to constantly put pressure on them with playmakers, um, whoever's out there, whether it's basically Houston has three, they have Gordon, they have Harden, they have Lou Williams guys who can, you know, handle the ball and do some stuff. And, uh, Kawhi can't guard everybody. That's, that's exactly the point. You know, Beverly also didn't play in the first two games that they, they, they played the very beginning of right. the season, the ninth and the 12th of November, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Scheduling crazy things. The Rockets won one of them and, and, and the Spurs won, you know, the next one, but uh, I, you know, the the this is one where I don't think the regular season experience is indicative of what we have in store for this play. For this I would agree because it's not that it's we haven't seen this Houston team as presently constituted running on all cylinders playing the Spurs yet. Exactly, That's, 
totally agree. That's what I want to see. I I yep. think one of the best advantages San Antonio has. I don't think Houston's home crowd is very good. Oh yeah, wow! Put I don't. It on the people of Houston. I don't. I don't. I don't mean to insult um, the good people of Houston. I don't think that crowd really affects games. And uh, and San Antonio is so good on the road, just for, just from the pop infrastructure, that uh, it's to me it's like I almost don't even think it matters where these games are going to be played because Houston can win everywhere. They don't care where they play. You know, I agree. Um, but I don't think that that necessarily hurts Houston. No, it doesn't. But San Antonio is home court, and I don't think that matters. But I also think if if San Antonio is down three to two going into Houston in Game Six. It's not like they can't go in there and win. So I, I, I think agree with that. I You're think right. the rhythm of this series is going to be very, very weird, and a lot of it's going to, you know, Harden in particular is he's just so, you know, he was so good those first three games, and then he was so bad those last two against OKC, and they were super sloppy down the stretch. Which we've seen with them a lot, and they're and they're slapping in general. Like Harden set the turnover record this year, you know. Um, well, we need we just need to know whether or not his ankle's all the way back. Did yeah, the rest? It'll be fine. Do enough to let him fully recover. Here's my fear if I'm a Houston fan, and I think Houston's going to win the series. I'm picking them. Oh, so we're yeah. in alignment. We're both we both like Houston. Yeah, the only one we're not in alignment in is that the Celtics are going to beat the Wizards, and you're going to be feel like a complete dumbass for that one. Um, the, here's my, here's my fear. San Antonio pulling games out of their ass with the infrastructure and with Kawhi and with pop and with coaching and good adjustments in the last, you know, going from first to second half, a really smart inbounds play, uh, a play where Houston's up four with 42 seconds left and they turn the ball over and Kawhi hits a three and then gets a steal. I, I, my fear is that Houston is, it's it's going to feel like they should have won the series and they didn't. Does that make sense? Of course. And okay. it's absolutely the right caution to issue any time. This is why I, I was, you know, uh chuckle, you know, whatever emotion I was feeling picking the Houston over the Spurs guilty. I felt guilty picking Houston over the Spurs. And the reason is, is what you just articulated. Those, they, they, uh, the Spurs always win those 50-50 plays. They always make those game-deciding, you know, um, uh, they execute. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. Right. That's why it was so shocking when Memphis won game four. It had all the makings of just a classic, stupid spur. And I know the Spurs have lost a lot of close games over the years. I'm not saying they're infallible, but you know, I just think, I think they execute really well. In Houston, sloppy, and I forget who was talking about. Um, one of the old guys was talking about guards now. Maybe it was. I think it was Isaiah Thomas. Actually, the Detroit Isaiah Thomas was saying how the biggest difference with now. I hope it was him. I'm pretty sure it was him. The biggest difference now is that guys just don't take care of the ball. And it's like, yeah, the numbers are way up. The offense is spectacular, but people don't take care of the ball. And Houston, you know, they should have, they could have really swept OKC. I just thought they were much better. They didn't even play well and they won in five, but they, they somehow managed to almost blow a couple of those games, you know, because they were sloppy. 
Um, I my we've talked about San Antonio on this pod before. They might not have a fifth gear. This just might be who they well, are. I think Kawhi has a fifth gear. I don't know what the team is. They just don't have a, a reliable second scorer. Kawhi has a fifth who, gear. Kawhi has a fifth gear. He showed it. I don't think the team does against Memphis. The team doesn't. Team is what it is. It, it reminds me of the Pats teams between the the nineteen and O season that wasn't O seven, but then there was O eight throwaway, but then O nine in 2010 before they started making Super Bowls again were these teams that statistically were really good. They won in the regular season. But but the Pats fans kind of knew they weren't that good. They were good. They weren't that good. And we knew we didn't have enough, you know, we didn't have enough talent across the board and that we were worried. And, um, and it was like the infrastructure was winning those, was getting the regular season record where it was and Brady versus that the team was really good. It does feel like this is a transition season for the Spurs. As crazy as that sounds, they had the second best record in the league, but you know, 61 win. Parker was in the 2001 draft, you yeah. know, and yeah. Gasol was in the uh, 2001 draft. And I, I, it's why pop deserves coach of the year. It's just it's, unbelievable. That's why I voted for him. The, the key guy, we're not making, we're not making uh, news by saying this, but Aldridge has to be better for what they're paying him and what what he's supposed to what he's supposed to represent and mean to that team as like kind of the Duncan replacement. You got to do better than fourteen and seven. You know, it's, he's expendable already. He really is. I mean, it's barely been two seasons. He's expendable. If they lose this series, is he on that team next year? N O no no. Let me repeat that. No. Yeah, I'm with you. So we think, we think Wizard. We, I'm sorry, Cavs wraps. How many games? Seven. I think so too. I think the rats are really going to get in that ass. I really do. That's the point of Ibaka and Tucker. The point of Ibaka and Tucker was not to, you know, beat the upstart Milwaukee Bucks. The 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 point of those guys coming to this team. Delivering that veteran presence, guys who've who've been around the block a little bit, is to come get in that LeBron ass. They're going to get in that in in Cleveland, and they're going to make them work. I think I agree with you, and and I got to say, because Cleveland looks so good against Indiana, and Indiana is terrible. Yeah, it's a a five hundred team barely, and then and, but meanwhile, somehow almost won three of the games and had a chance, and then Giannis really threw off the. The Toronto round one. I mean, it was just an unexpected unicorn, black swan performance by Giannis for three games. Wonderful. Yeah. Just wonderful. It's great. Welcome, welcome to the playoffs, Giannis. Welcome to the future MVP club, Giannis. Absolutely. Does he win before Anthony Davis? I think he does. I think he does, Davis too. is still ahead of him, you know, in terms of the, the fully rounded skill set. But Davis has to play. You can't not play and yeah. win the MVP. Stay in the court. So Houston, San Antonio, I think Houston in six. I, it makes sense to me. I just think this is the where the Spurs run out of firepower. I don't know. They just can't keep up. Can Can Danny Green guard James Harden for long stretches of games? Because that's no. the only way I see it. 
I think no. he I think he could at least kind of stay in front of them. They can't have Kawhi guard James Harden for the for entire games and then carry them offensively. It's a suicide mission. They have to figure out how to have Danny Green guard Harden for big chunks. I would say Houston in six. Warriors sweep. I think I think they're gonna destroy Utah. I agree with you. And then uh Seltz Wiz still feel like it goes seven. It's gonna be six or seven depending on Keith's ankle. Can you take back the stuff you said about Al Horford? I didn't he appreciate walked it. right under him. He walked right he under him. You can watch replay a dozen times. It's not possible for Keith to come straight down and land on Horford's foot. He didn't go out of his way. This wasn't one of those NBA plays where he tried to draw contact. It hurt and, and, you know, all, all this accolades. Horford almost had a triple-double. Congratulations. The guy that was going to guard him through this entire series, he took out by walking up under him. I'm upset that Al Horford didn't get the triple-double because I don't know how to feel about the game if he didn't reach a triple-double. Did he have a good game? I don't know. We only judge his stuff by triple-doubles now. He should have thrown the oh back with Bog. He's, the Celtics should have, uh, who were going for rebounds, should have just you know pulled their hands away to let him get it. I better not. I better stay away from the internet. We on June the twenty sixth when that award show. I I I might have to send myself somewhere. I'm gonna write bad, bad things on Twitter. No, don't stay off Twitter. It's not worth it. it. It'll it'll stand in history as a, as its own awful. as its own ridiculous event. It's awful. Perverted. I want everybody. All these hoops perverts out there. <laughs> Joe House, who's on Jack House? Uh, we have the commissioner. You should still listen to to last week's uh, show. We had the commissioner on, Jay Monahan, yeah. a New England guy, worked yeah. for the Red Sox at one point in his career. Awesome guy. Half hour conversation with him. We'll stand up. You can listen to. We talked about uh, the recently completed, just completed today, Zurich Classic, which was the first time uh, in. It, there's been a team event in in on the PGA Tour. In, in like 50 years, and, uh, you know, it was a great conversation, so give that a listen. U.S. Open, how many weeks away are we? Seven it's weeks? June, uh, like 14, 15, 16, 17 in that stretch, so that means we're exactly like six weeks out. Good. Maybe you guys should talk about Trump's golf game on one of these podcasts. He, he apparently has a pretty good golf game. He's tall. He's like six three and a half. And, he's, and he gets through the ball for he an said, old guy. I mean, you forget he's in his 70s. He said he would have loved to have played with Andrew Jackson. <laughs> I don't have anything to say Andrew about Andrew Jackson that. would have really, they would have really enjoyed going 18 together. All right, House. Uh, appreciate it, as always. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much to SeatGeek. Thanks to Audible.com. Don't forget Audible.com slash BS for a free trial. Thanks to Legacy Box. Don't forget LegacyBox.com slash BS. 40% discount on your order. Thanks to PropperCloth. PropperCloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. Save $20 on your first shirt. Don't forget to subscribe to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Our new podcast that launches this week. And he's going to be talking about all this crazy gambling stuff that's going on. uh, Football, basketball, hockey, and boxing right now with his special guest who I'm not going to announce And the Ringer MLB show is back. It's back on the Ringer Podcast Network. So check that out. And Tate, you did a teed up last week with Titus? 
We're back this week. Back this week. Teed up. If you want to hear Titus, will you ask Titus to do his whole Gordon Hayward thing? Yes. All right. Titus is going to do that. Maybe I'll make him repeat it on here. But this week, Titus is going to talk about his old AAU teammate, Gordon Hayward. So listen to Teed up for that. And uh, we'll be back Wednesday on the BS Report with Matt and Trey from South Park, which is uh, an extravaganza, which we taped two weeks ago and is really good. So until then.